This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NWSL Challenge Cup final matchup is set. The Houston Dash will take on the Chicago Red Stars in Sunday's final. In Wednesday's early semifinal, Rachel Daly had the only goal of the day as the Houston Dash defeated Portland Thorns FC 1-0. In the nightcap, the Chicago Red Stars scored twice in the first 15 minutes, added a third goal to take a 3-0 lead in the second half, and held on for dear life for a 3-2 victory over Sky Blue FC. Red Stars and Dash for the NWSL Challenge Cup Sunday at 12.30 on CBS. Now please enjoy the latest episode of the Equalizer Podcast. Match day 11, semi-final day at the NWSL Challenge Cup, and this is the Equalizer podcast. Dan Law Letter with Pardeep Katri, and we've got Pardeep signed on for a day-night doubleheader on this Wednesday semi-final day. And uh, as I bring in Pardeep after the Dash advanced to their first-ever final with a 1-0 win over the Portland Thorns, Pardeep promised me goals when she agreed to be on the podcast today. And about halfway through the second half, Pardeep, I was wondering if you were going to be disappointed. It was going to be unfortunate for you that you had guaranteed goals, but we got one finally after we went, I think, a full four games plus a minute or two without one, and Rachel Daly gets it and the Dash win. The goal was very thrilling. Let's (laughs) that. Well, just, you know, the first half of this game was fascinating because, you know, I – I'm going to be honest. I was completely wrong about this game. I thought the Thorns were going to win this game handily. I thought they would have woken up a little bit after their win over the Courage. Now, when I said that, I didn't account for Haran not being there, and I thought they really badly missed Haran in this game. But the Dash were so dominant in the first half in the midfield and created zero. And I always think that's a problem, especially when it's a team like the Dash that is trying to find an identity, trying to find their way into the deep stages of any event, regular season, playoffs, Challenge Cup, whatever. Uh, but they they had that little run right before that goal where they had, you know, corner kick, corner kick, corner kick, and uh, it finally paid off with the goal that won it for them. I don't know why I was so hopeful each time that they ended up in the box, and I very much had a tweet drafted right before that goal went in. That was going to be like, I'm too hopeful that this is, and this is just going to go to penalties. But like you said, I think it wasn't just the dash that were struggling offensively too, right? I think the whole game was just watching the dash do well in the midfield and obviously the thorns in some way handling that, but then neither team just having that end product, which we've now seen a couple of games running. 
we have one goal that doesn't really address all of that. No. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit of a, you know, I think the fact that the players are kind of spent, I would probably not change my opinion of that, having watched this semifinal. I mean, Rachel Daly, I thought, had excellent energy. I thought Megan Klingenberg's last 20, 25 minutes might be the best I've seen her play in two years. Unfortunately for the Thorns, it didn't really lead to a goal, you know, and the shell Prince was good. But the game was still lacking that bite, you know, that four or five players interacting with each other in a buildup to create a goal. And that is, uh, you know, look, I think that's where we are at this point. I think players are mentally and physically tired. They're at altitude. They are living in a hotel by themselves. And I think that's just what we're going to get right now. And teams, you know, thorns don't have forwards, you know. Tonight's game, Sky Blue, Red Stars. I don't want to, we shouldn't say too much because result is in by the time people are hearing this, but those are teams that are struggling to figure out how to score goals. So, um, I just think that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, for sure. It really makes you wish that the scheduling had worked out a little bit differently because I feel like we're not getting as much from these quarterfinals and these semifinals, obviously I'm saying this without having seen the second game and hopefully the second game will make me happy, but you know, we're not getting exactly what knockout soccer should be minus again, like that last stretch of this game with the dash and the thorns. Yeah. The thorns made a little push at the end, but I was pleased that the dash didn't go into a shell when they got the lead. You know, I I thought the same thing when the Thorns beat North Carolina. I thought they would sit back when they scored, and they didn't. I thought the Dash might sit back on this one, and they didn't. In fact, up until the last four or five minutes, it was probably closer to being 2-0 than it was to being 1-1. Also notable, by the way, the teams that have trailed in this tournament now are 0-13-3. So there have actually been two games that have come back for draws. There was the Thorns-Spirit game. Uh, when the Spirit equalized in that Dash-Royals game where both teams had the lead, so they both get credit there. But otherwise, if you fall behind, uh, you don't win. And knockout rounds, two teams have fallen behind and gone home. So that's not unusual, but I think we might prefer if uh, teams were falling behind and at least having a chance to come back and win. Yeah. Chicago, Sky Blue, you're our last hope. Yeah, we will see. There's either people agreeing with us or laughing at us, having already seen the result of that game once uh, when this pot has dropped. Um, I sent out a tweet earlier about best players in the tournament, like who is the best player in the tournament You know, before this game. And my personal opinion was Dabinia. And most of the responses I got were Dabinia, uh, Ertz, and Haran. But I think Rachel Daly needs to be in that conversation. I, I think Rachel Daly came into this league as a player who could do all kinds of cool things, and she's scored these amazing goals outside the 18. I think she's turned herself into a really complete player. She's got a little bit of service. Um, there was a sequence, I think it was against was it against Klingenberg or Westfall, uh, on the sideline toward the end where she kind of, you know, was fighting for the ball and wound up winning a foul late to kill some time off. I think Rachel Daly's had a great tournament and really has got to be considered in the top handful of forwards in the league right now. Absolutely. That was the name I was thinking of when you had started with this topic. 
she's been the one that's really just delivered for this dash team. And obviously she's the one you think of when you think of how this team ended up making it to the final uh, unexpectedly for sure. But her talents aren't unexpected. What she's doing isn't necessarily new, but she has done the work and it's really paying off in this huge way. Like she's obviously been the best performer for her teammate. Probably. Yeah. Yes. Something in the moment. <laughs> now, uh, you, are you watching this thinking the Dash are legit or lucky or some combination thereof? Hmm. Well, I think in a tournament where almost everybody at this point is struggling to score goals, everybody's getting lucky if they're advancing. That's fair. But, but- I think they. Do, I think the Dash do have the foundation to. I mean, like, let's say some version of a regular season returns in the sometime near future, possibly. I think they have the foundation to really compete. I don't know. Look, I don't know if, because they were playing against a Portland team that had so many injuries. But, and if everybody ends up with a nice amount of preseason and decent ability to rest players and whatnot, I don't know if they're still one of the top four teams in the league. But I think that they're definitely taking a step from where they were last year and 100% are going to be competitive. And I like their mentality. I had said after the Sky Blue Spirit game when Sky Blue kind of got away with that draw and then won on penalties that I don't think Sky Blue from like 2016 through most of last season escapes that game with a draw. And I kind of feel the same way about the dash in this one, I think the old school dash, even with a one nothing lead in the 69th, 70th minute, maybe find a way to be in a 1-1 game. And let's not forget, injury-wise, they didn't have Megan Oyster in this game, and I don't think she'll be back for Sunday either. And that was the original reason I thought the Thorns would run over them, uh, because Oyster is what makes it click in the back. But Allie Prysock came in, and her and Naughton did enough. Again, the Thorns didn't exactly ram the ball down their throats, but... You know, the dash held up pretty well without Oyster back there. Yeah, I mean, you have to give the whole group a lot of credit. Because a lot of, I mean, the thing going into this tournament or this season in general with the dash was that a bunch of big players left. They didn't want to be there anymore. And you understood it. But then they replaced them. And, well, they're probably, I mean, what, they're doing better than probably a bunch of the players who left. Like, they've... I think that was probably the biggest surprise for me heading into this tournament, especially in those first couple of games where they really did well, was that they were competitive. For sure. And, you know, I don't know if you caught it, but Daly at the end was just kind of sitting on the grass, kind of, uh, you know, by herself contemplating what had just happened. And she's been there now a long time. And there was a point where she was on her way out. I don't, you know, when Vera Paul was there, they won a bunch of games, but players were not thrilled with that arrangement. And Rachel Daly came really close to leaving. And, you know, I think the James Clarkson hire actually wound up, you know, kind of prompting her to stay. And you kind of got that feeling that maybe that was the moment where she was like, all right, this was, you know, this is pretty cool. I've been here through a lot of down times and we may or may not win on Sunday, but it's pretty cool that we get to be in a final now after all that this organ, you know, the organization has been through. Right, that's actually one of the things I was thinking about, not just with the Dash, but also with Sky Blue, is how even if 
the sky blue don't advance later. It's so funny talking about these things when people listening will obviously know what happens. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about both of those teams, regardless of what happened today, they very clearly took major strides into making their on-field product much better. All right, so with that said, what about the Thorns? Because we're used to the Thorns being in the playoffs, being contenders to win. They've been in the playoffs four years in a row now with a championship and a final appearance in there, a shield. Um, but if you, you know, if you look at their personnel – Sauerbrunn only played once. Haran got hurt midway through the tournament, didn't play in this game. You know, is this a step forward? Is it, a, is it even or is it disappointing? Where, where, do you, where do you think of the Thorns as they head back to Portland? I mean, disappointing is probably a good word for it because I think even considering the injuries, they probably don't want, uh, they probably would have wished to do better at multiple times in this tournament. Obviously, they go in, they went into the knockout rounds as the bottom seed without winning a game. But, like, again, you can't talk about the Thorns without talking about the fact that they were missing a bunch of key players, either new uh, new p- uh, players like Sauerbrunn or older, or people who have been around a little longer like Haran. They were missing those people, and those were the people that were expected to take them, you know, to a, take them far in a regular season or even in a tournament setting, right? Yeah, for sure. I do leave, though, with some positive notes on players. Morgan Weaver, you know, probably the best rookie. Maybe Kate Delfava in Utah, but I think Morgan Weaver. This was a regular season, and this were six games in. I think we'd be saying, all right, Morgan Weaver's got a goal. She's made an impact. Morgan Weaver's going to be okay. And I think Morgan Weaver hopefully takes a step forward next time we see NWSL soccer. It's not going to be as easy as usual because players don't have places to go. Uh, and another one um, for the Thorns, uh, I completely just blanked on. So will you talk about Morgan Weaver, and I'll come back in in a second. Yeah, I mean, Morgan Weaver is probably, I mean, she wasn't, she's one of their uh, two draft picks that was very hyped going to this. Obviously, Sophia Smith didn't get a chance to play with an injury. But Morgan Weaver, I mean, it's, for me, she's a little bit emblematic of that project that they had that they kept talking about especially in the preliminary round of this tournament and like like you said if it was just six games into the uh into a season you'd be pretty optimistic about her prospects and you you still have to be right like it's not like she had a bad tournament at all she's very clearly someone who is starting out but again she had that goal she was pretty effective for the most part. I think you have no option but to be optimistic about her. <clears throat> My other one was Kristen Westfall. Uh, played right back. I thought really quietly had a very solid tournament. Maybe she's finally found a home. She was in Boston. A team was pretty poor. She was with the rain, and she was kind of in and out of the lineup. But maybe she's found a home as the right back for Portland because I thought she was – I mean, she wasn't spectacular, but I thought she was real solid. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, to me, it just – its a, they added a lot of pieces this off season and integrated other people. And this is clearly a project that was meant for more than a six- or seven-game tournament. So a bunch of people actually did well. But yeah, I think – 
you know, I like it's it can be really hard to judge because clearly they walk in they came into this tournament already at a disadvantage and it showed. Yeah, for sure. The ironic thing, by the way, about Kristen Westfall is that she was actually the player the Breakers took with the draft pick that the Thorns traded them for the right to move up in the allocation order to get Mallory Pugh, who then decided to go to UCLA and never went to the Thorns. So several years later, here she is actually as a Thorn and playing the best soccer of her career. A couple of other quick Thorns notes. I thought Angela Salem was pretty good, and it was nice to see her out there after some injuries, and she's been in school. And if you can get her back, she chooses to play another season, and she's like your extra midfielder who can maybe come in, help kill a game, give a player some rest. I think that would be a big bonus. It's also worth noting that they were without Sophia Smith, and it's hard to quantify what she would be because she's like Morgan Weaver, a little bit more experienced at the international level, but a rookie, but she didn't play at all in this tournament. Uh, which I actually think is a little troubling that she's been carrying this injury for so long, but that's another story. All right, so Dash one nothing. Uh, before we end this segment, Pardeep, big news on Tuesday, the Los Angeles group that Meg Linehan reported on about a month ago finally unveiled themselves. They'll be an expansion team in 2022. And it's funny because everyone thought LAFC from Major League Soccer would be the uh, team, they'd be the ownership group that jumped in and started a women's team, and they're not. But yet this ownership group is like the NWSL version of LAFC. Like everybody is in this ownership group. Yeah. Yeah. That is the perfect way to describe them. Though I think you can get like a few more uh, women's soccer connections. Like Natalie Portman has been very openly a fan of the USWNT for a little while. So just a little bit more specific, but yeah, 100%. And I think it's obviously a really cool ownership group and probably the, I mean, probably, I, I guess I could say objectively the coolest ownership group in the NWSL. <laughs> Are you saying we don't have cool ownership groups at this point, Pardeep? I think it's really hard to get cool ownership groups, generally speaking. All right, fair, <laughs> fair, fair enough. But so after this, like, because it's such a, I don't even know how to describe it. I think I'm losing the word right now but it's monumental right yeah it is i'm really curious about is now that we've had that first burst of excitement or just general surprise and shock and awe at who's in this ownership group i'm very curious about what they're going to do who those first uh soccer specific hires are going to be because those are going to be very very important you can't just be, you can't just have really well-known and rich owners and uh win stuff you kind of have to have some people who know what they're doing. Yeah, and you don't and when you have too many owners, you need to make sure there are specific people making the decisions. And I don't think that'll be a problem. I mean, you, there's 14 former professional players. I don't think all 14 of them are going to be in the board meetings and making decisions on hiring coaches and tactics and whatnot. But you got to make sure you've got the, you know, somebody's making the decisions that has certainly worked out for LAFC so far. Now they haven't had a lot of hiccups on the field that would lead to any sort of strife so far. But, uh, you know, if they follow that model and they can build a team that's even remotely close to what LAFC has done on the field, that'd be pretty cool. But, you know, long way to go, and I like the fact that it's 2022 because it really gives them an opportunity, just like Louisville. Hopefully um, they won't get held up quite like Louisville did uh, with this pandemic. They're starting 
in the pandemic, but, you know, they got some time to really build on things and they were active on social during the game uh, between the dash and Thorn. So hopefully they keep that up and, uh, and people are ready to rock and roll by the time spring 2022 rolls around. Like I said, really looking forward to those soccer hires. That's how LAFC did it. Absolutely. All right, Pardeep, uh, get some rest and uh, enjoy the late game, and we'll be back in about 90 seconds of podcast time and several hours of real time, and we'll break down uh, Sky Blue and the Red Stars. You are listening to the Equalizer podcast. What's up, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here, founder of the Equalizer. I want to make sure that you know we also have another podcast called Kicking Back, which is interview-based. We talk to players, coaches, personalities from across women's soccer about defining moments in their career and some important things from the present day and look ahead a little bit to the future. We've had guests like Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbrunn, Jill Ellis, Bev Yanez, Ali Riley, Julie Foudy and Mia Hamm, so many already and many more to come. So please go ahead and check out Kicking Back pod on any platform you find your podcast after, of course, you've finished up with this episode of the Equalizer podcast. Back on the Equalizer podcast, Dan and Pardeep, where you already knew when you listened to the first half that the Red Stars defeated Sky Blue in a wild 3-2 contest to advance to the NWSL Challenge Cup final on Sunday against the Houston Dash. Quick reminder to please check out our content on the web at EqualizerSoccer.com. For premium content, it's EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. And if you like what you hear on the podcast, please rate and review the Equalizer podcast today. Pardeep, please rate and review the second semifinal, Red Stars 3, Sky Blue FC 2. I will rate on a scale of 5. Six out of five. All right. That kept me awake. Yeah, we haven't had a lot of games like this in the tournament, but this was, uh, I, I think this is probably the most memorable game of the tournament to this point. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I think the Red Stars were good, and I think they were a little bit fortuitous, um, but I give Sky Blue a lot of credit for hanging around in this one. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think after 2-0 because that was so early and they'd really picked themselves up it felt believable that they could do something but after the third one I thought it was over and clearly Sky Blue didn't think the same thing and that you have to give them a lot of credit for being able to continue to do to do whatever they wanted to do even if it didn't pay off in the end even if they only had one shot on goal at the end but they didn't give up the third goal kind of reminded me of the opening game between the Red Stars and the Spirit when Nayer made that bad mistake right at the start of the second half, and that made it 2 nothing instead of one nothing. and the Red Stars then kind of took control of that game, got one back but couldn't get the second one back because Sky Blue finished the first half of this game really rolling, almost had one. Nayer had that little kick play on the Paige Monahan cross. I think if she doesn't get in the way of that, it's a tap-in at the far post. And then Sky Blue was on the front foot at the start of the second half, and the Red Stars got that third goal on the counter, and that really did put it out of reach. But I think if not for that counterattack goal, if Sky Blue just kept pushing, 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 I think there's a good chance we're either watching PKs right now or talking about a different result. For sure. It, it really did feel like one of those games where it was about like that 
I mean, you could call it like a marginal thing, right? If one little thing goes the other way, we're watching something very different unfold. Absolutely. And even on that first goal, um, you know, Estelle Johnson got hurt on that play. So that was a center back down for Sky Blue on the attack. Now, I, I still think, and I watched it a few times, I still think there's a, there are enough Sky Blue players that could have done something about it. And St. George hit an incredible ball. I don't know if that's exactly what she meant to do with it, but it swerved around, hit the post, and went in. You could see Kaylin Sheridan was like, you got to be kidding me. That thing went in. But, you know, and then Sky Blue had to replace Johnson with Skrosky, and then Skrosky had the weak clearance, and that helped on the second goal. But, you know, I think more importantly, the Red Stars came out and played their best 15 minutes of this entire tournament in the first 15 minutes of this game. They haven't started a game anything close to that so far. Oh, and like you said, it was probably their best stretch of 15 minutes at any point in this tournament. I I really did think that they would sustain that at some point, and that's probably one thing that maybe I would think concerns me about the Red Star going into the final, that they still haven't put together that complete 90 minutes, but that first 15 minutes was very, very encouraging from them. Right, and they got the goals out of it. You see that all the time in soccer, and it's still 0-0, which is kind of what I had thought about the dash. They weren't that good, but they were much better in the first half, didn't have a goal. I thought, but What's interesting about the Red Stars' performance is that right after Sky Blue scored their first goal, I thought the game was completely wide open, and it's 3-1, to one, and the Red Stars have always been a team with very good defensive integrity, and the game was just so wide open, and... Just as soon as I thought it, Sky Blue went and got the second goal. Then they tightened it up a little bit. But it's a lot harder to keep tightened up when you're up by a goal and the other team is knocking the ball around than it is when you're up two goals. Yeah, it. they definitely – it was just a little bit sloppy. That I mean, you could see it very clearly on that own goal. Like, it was just so – I mean, you're talking about how it's uncharacteristic usually of the Red Stars to – not be as tight defensively. And that own goal, I think, is very emblematic of that. Yeah. A um, couple of individual performances I wanted to point out. One, Bianca St. George, who is uh, the rookie. She had been drafted a year or two ago, came in, was a surprise starter, I think, in game one, and worked her way to where she was a regular starter. Now, you know, Davidson didn't play. Short didn't play, which we'll talk about in a minute. But basically, St. George was the right back in this game. She gets a goal. She gets an assist. She won't get an assist on the middle goal, but she did send in the definitive cross that Skrosky tried to clear, and it went right down to who scored that goal. Help me out here. Rachel Hill. Rachel yeah, Hill. Rachel Hill. Um, but, I mean, that's an absolute game to remember for a lifetime for Bianca St. George. No matter what happens on Sunday, no matter what happens in 2021, and beyond, that is moment to remember for her. Sure. And just part of a breakout tournament for her. She's definitely been one of the bright spots for them. I also thought Kaylea Watt had her best game for the Red Stars. Agreed. And defensively, first of all, Sabrina Flores had no answer for Kaylea Watt in the first half. But then I thought when Watt had to drop back and defend, especially after it got to 3-2, she was sitting kind of right on top of the left back spot for the Red Stars, which had, uh, I guess right after the goal, they moved St. George over there when they brought in Sharples and put Sharples on the right. 
I thought Watt defended so well and made so many correct decisions, you know, making the little half turn and passing it backwards, you know, and not just making the uh, the sloppy pass where you just whack it upfield. I thought she really helped burn a lot of time. Oh, for sure. She really, this, I think it was probably her best game for the team. She, I mean, that first 15 minutes, I'm pretty sure I spent a lot of it just thinking about how well she did. And like you said, at the end, she contributed really, really well defensively. Really complete game in that way. And now she'll get uh, the team that she came up with, the Houston Dash, in the uh, final on Sunday. You know, the Dash had never been in a knockout game. Thus, Kaylee Watt had never been in a knockout game. Uh, so now they'll be in the final, and one of them will get a trophy. Anybody else on Chicago stand out for you, Pardeep? Oh, I think we did cover some of the better performers on the night. Yeah, I mean, I think Nayer is a player that doesn't get enough. You know, I think we've gotten to the point where we expect Nayer to be good, so she doesn't get credit for the little things. But uh, I think she's been, you know, after that one mistake we talked about, I think she's been pretty terrific in this tournament. Almost got caught, though, at the end on that ball where she was at the edge of the 18, and maybe she was going to slide out with her hand on the ball, which could have been problematic, but I guess she got rid of it in time. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the mark of a good goalkeeper, right? Sometimes you just don't notice how reliable they are. Absolutely. And then, of course, no Casey Short in the game. So um, that put Zoe Goralski as the left back for the Red Stars. And this is a point where I think we can look at Sky Blue. And I give Sky Blue a lot of credit for coming back in the game and for a lot of the things they've done at this tournament. But the second goal they scored was basically when Midge Purse just went around Zoe Goralski like she was a traffic cone. I don't. Yeah. Th- I think it took them way too long to figure out that they had Goralski out there and they had wide players that could expose that, and they didn't do it until a few minutes before Purse created the goal. And I'm not sure what why it took so long for them to figure that out. Yeah, I'm with you. Like obviously they did so much right, but. They didn't, they had very little end product to show for it. And it's not like, I mean, right, we're talking about this goal where Mitch first showed the advantages that Sky Blue had, at least in that one area. And fine, they got the goal that one time, but clearly it could have been something that they could have gone to over and over and over again. And I guess it's maybe an example of a team that, is still kind of young and inexperienced in the and the group hasn't quite 100% gelled just yet. All right, it was also a late um I mean Short got hurt the Red Stars didn't announce it until like a minute before the game started that Short got hurt in training I think yesterday or I guess mm-hmm. depending on when you're listening on Tuesday. Um so I guess Sky Blue didn't realize when they were game planning that short wouldn't be there. So I may know maybe there are, you know, especially it's a young coach and a young team and maybe they didn't react on the fly well enough for that, but still they had the hydration break, you know, and plus if, you know, if your purse or, you know, Paige Monahan who was out there for the beginning of the game, you got to be saying, look, I can win this battle, get me the ball. And that's got to be something uh, that happens. And in fact, the play I talked about in the first half, 
where Monaghan got in behind and Nayer kicked away the cross. Uh, that was also down the left side where Goralski was. So that was really where, you know, a good part of Sky Blue's offense came from. Yeah, for sure. But I think the point you make about maybe it being, I mean, I guess even in the end, if this is a team where maybe they're still trying to work out the kinks and work on that chemistry, that's probably something that they should have been able to notice and take advantage of a little bit sooner than what the 77th minute when Midge Purse scored. I mean, created the own goal. Yeah, it was right around there. It was a, it was, they had the hydration break came right after the goal, right? Yeah, I think that's right. So it was a little bit after 75. Um, also of note, Evelyn Vienne, first round pick, who I think has had moments in this tournament where you've said, this player could be good, a real goal poacher's goal there. On Zerboni yeah. headed down the corner, and she was standing right in front of Nayer and kind of redirected it as it was as it was going up. So I'm happy VN scored, and uh, as I tweeted, she'll be she'll be in my top three or four young players that I'll be excited to see what she can do in 2021. Oh, yeah. I mean, you do feel a little bit bad that a bunch of rookies didn't get, like, a full rookie season, but... Eventually, it will extend in 2021. And I was wondering about why she wasn't playing at one point during this game, because clearly they needed goals, and it came. So credit to her. And just like you, I'm pretty excited to see what she'll be able to do with hopefully a little bit more preparation and game time and whatnot. Yeah, and I guess just closing the book on Sky Blue in this particular uh, tournament and year is that I just don't, I just feel like there, and I said it after the Washington game when they hung around one on penalties, and I might have even mentioned it in the earlier segment of this podcast today, but they just, they would not have been that responsive for the last couple of years to this game being down three nothing, no matter what. So that's nice to see. That said, they did not get it. They did not get an, after it was three two. They didn't get enough looks at goal for all the possession they had after that. But you know what? That can happen. Yeah. I mean, very clearly they've made significant strides from definitely last year. I mean, what this team compared to the team that was playing two years ago is remarkably different. Yeah. And consider, God, sorry. Oh, I'm just saying that it's, I, I think I'm a little bit, impressed with how quickly they were able to show such dramatic signs of improvement on the field. Well, you go back to the Royals game when they lost the second game when the Royals beat the one nothing and they were awful. They showed no signs <laughs> of life in that game whatsoever. So to turn it around in tournament, you know, when teams were admittedly saying, hey, we are spent, I think is very impressive. Absolutely. They, they did not look spent at all. <laughs> nope. All right, real quick, final on Sunday. Um, I guess we could call this the Kalia Watt Cup in some ways, but uh, somebody will get their first <laughs> NWSO trophy, which is weird because the Red Stars are, you know, perennial right there in the mix and the Dash are not. But um, ha- any thoughts early on how the final shakes out? Uh, before I do answer that question, I am just going to say, isn't that such an interesting storyline that Kalia Watt leaves Houston and then it, with her new team gets to face them in the final of this tournament? Yeah, it's, oh. uh, I like that. Yeah, it's me too. Shame we can't be out there to to see it happen in person. 
Oh, tell me about it. But as for predictions for the game, I really think it could go either way. I do not feel comfortable committing because I'm pretty sure I will change my mind at multiple points in the next couple of days. But I think for now, I will say that maybe, just maybe, the Red Stars get it together for this final game, and they do win. But I will say I'm indecisive, and if I'm wrong, I will just say that that's why. I was wrong. Well, here's the thing. I, I First of all, when Hill scored... That was the first goal by a forward of the entire tournament, and McCaskill made it too. But before that, they lined up without Casey Short, without Morgan Gautreaux. So that means nobody on the that was available for this game had scored yet. And then St. George scored was a defender. And again, we love getting defender goals, but you know, you're not supposed to have a defender lead your team in goals. You're supposed to they're supposed <laughs> to be nice little additional goals. So now maybe if they get their forwards going, you could consider them the favorites. But I kind of feel like the Dash are playing better soccer than the Red Stars. I feel like the best Dash team of this tournament is better than the best Red Stars team of this tournament. Yeah, it's entirely possible that I'm giving the Red Stars a little bit more goodwill than they've earned during this tournament because I think we all know that these these players can do better than they have. I mean, the Dash has really put it put it together in this tournament. I mean, we were talking about Rachel Daly not that long ago. And and I think Daly and Michelle Prince and Breva Sally, I think if there's no Casey Short again, we have no idea at this point what this injury is or whether she'll be available on Sunday. But I think if it's Zoe Gorowski again, I think the Dash have the players to take advantage of that and maybe the – Dash do a little bit better in terms of game planning if they're if they're expecting it or at least know that it's a possibility. So uh, yeah. I I don't know what's going to happen either, but I kind of feel like if you ignore if you took if you eliminated everything you knew about what these teams did the last seven years and just based it on this particular tournament, I think the Dash are the favorites. Yeah. In the game. That that I agree with. Well, when it happens, and that is Sunday at 12.30, and if you're uh, not a CBS All Access subscriber, which I can't imagine you're listening to us and not subscribing to the All Access, but if you're not, Sunday will be on CBS on your regular television, and that will only be the second ever women's soccer domestic league match to be on network television, the first one being the opener of this tournament, Courage and Thorns, and who would have thought Red Stars and Dash would close it out. We will um, bring lots of different voices to you on the podcast on Sunday. Hopefully Pardeep will be one of them. Um, but thanks for uh, pulling the double duty today. Looks like John, my regular uh, evening partner, couldn't hack it past the quarterfinals. <laughs> well, at least they gave us an entertaining one to yeah, drop off the night session. He'll be, he'll be sorry you missed this one. We've, you know, after all the zero zero late night pods we've done, so far this tournament. But Pardeep, thanks for hanging out late with me, and uh, I'll talk to you on Sunday. All right. Talk then. All right, Pardeep. Thanks again for Pardeep and everybody else at the Equalizer. We'll talk to you for the final on Sunday. Red Stars and Dash, 1230 Eastern on CBS. You've been listening to the Equalizer podcast.
have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.